Hello everyone, my name is Rick Walland. I'm a drummer and a musician with 17 years experience working and playing in the UK music industry. I also hold a bachelor's degree in popular music and recording. This is a brand spanking new podcast series in which I'll speak to musicians, promoters, fans and supporters and artists primarily from the underground music scenes across the world. About 10 years ago, I did a telephone interview or a conversation with Ian Mackay from Fugazi, Minifret and the co-founder of Discord Records. In this first episode, I'm joined by my good friend, Tom Fable, who's also an experienced session musician, music teacher and a singer-songwriter based in the UK. Here's what's to come. I can still kind of vividly remember the first time that I rehearsed in a band and it wasn't at school actually it was at this it was at this rehearsal room in Leicester called called Stay Free um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know why it's funny but I mean you know we just accepted it I was in a band called Riding Shotgun by Starlight with the ominous sigh <laughs> That's, that was the band name right so, so Adorno oh, I, and, I, and uh, Adorno uh, Adorno, an altusser. Altusser. Um, and it's like, if I really think you should read um, something by a, a guy called Roland Bart, and it's called, it's called, it's called Roland the, Bart. It's called the death of the author. I, th- you know, <laughs> I've studied for four years. Uh, you know, studied music. You know, practicing three hours a day, doing bloody rudiments, doing this and that. You know, learning how to play. A, Fucking Mozambique on the cowbell. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, cool. Well, um, well, so I'm from Leicester originally, um, and it was it was a pretty good place to grow up, I suppose. Um, You know, it's it's a city. It's a kind of small to medium size, and there was enough going on. You know, compared to I don't know someone who grew up in i don't know somewhere like somewhere you know like a really small town or a really small village mm. or whatever so there was there was enough going on you know as a teenager you know there was there was like music shop you know there was some really great music shops and record stores and all that kind of thing um school was you know i, I had a good experience at school um they were quite supportive my teachers you know they were quite encouraging we had like a we had like a recording studio I mean, it wasn't like amazing, but mm. to, having that in, you know, having that in the early 2000s, I thought it was quite impressive. Yeah. Um, and we did some recordings, which I think I've, you've heard. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was good. And, you know, could have been a lot worse. Um, <laughs> but it was, but by the time I got to college, I felt like I wanted to, wanted to kind of move so, on. So, so why did you start playing music? What, what kind of... I mean, did you pick just pick up a guitar in your house and just uh, just messing around, or what got what uh, got you into music then? Um, well, I suppose it was um, it was actually drums that I started off with. Um, I started having drum lessons when I was about nine or ten um, after school. Um, it was quite funny actually thinking about it. Like one of the teachers at my school used to drive me there. I know you, mm, you couldn't mm. you couldn't imagine that happening now, could you? No, no. But um, I don't know. Um, yeah, but he was he was you know he was a nice teacher. But um, 
just because I think he I think he was going there to that's why he was going there to like do an orchestra. I think he was like a music teacher as well. Anyway, um, mm. so I had these cool drum lessons with a, a female drum teacher, which was cool. And then I kind of started playing. I went along to these rehearsals with my brother Alex, who played side drum in like a Scottish pipe band. And so I kind of got into drums through that as well. I kind of improved my, my reading. and But then guitar-wise, that was like when I was about 11. I got given a guitar by a friend of my dad, a guy called Alan, who's like a close family friend. And he just gave me like a classical guitar. And I um, got it converted to left-handed at this shop called Sheehan's, which was really good. Uh, Jack used to work there. Um, who's, but, who, who's Jack? Oh, sorry, yeah. For it's, people uh, that don't know who Jack is. Of course, yeah, of course. We're not just talking. To, so Jack is, Jack Ellis, he's a guy that runs a company called Jack's Instrument Services, which is very good, based in Cheatham Hill. But we've Manchester. known each other, yeah. yeah, in Manchester, yeah, Cheatham Hill, Manchester. But we've known each other since year seven. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's that's Jack. We, we started our first band together. Um, so I got into guitar through that. And then I met Jack, I think we were in the same form. Um, we started a band called, uh, I think we were called Lead <laughs> at first, because <laughs> it was a heavy metal. And then we changed it to Element 82, because our science teacher was like, well, the 82nd element, uh, Lead is the 82nd element. And I was like, oh, it sounds a bit like Blink-182, we should call ourselves that. <laughs> um, so, and I was, that was drums actually, but then I kind of drifted onto guitar. And so yeah, so I just, just through school really, and all I wanted to do was play, I used to go and rehearse like before form like at like eight o'clock in the morning and all that so kind of stuff it was just so, it was just it was yeah. just kind of just kind of for fun really just the, the enjoyment of playing and and being in a band and just yeah i mean that's kind of how i started out as well i think it was just like you had this it was like a buzz you know just being yeah. in a band just writing songs playing gigs it's and it feels like it's really hard to kind of go back to that feeling like now as, as a musician, like say like 17 years on from when I started when I was 15. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to go back to that feeling of just pure joy and, and, and gratitude of just writing songs, being in a band, playing gigs. It's yeah, it's really hard to kind of replicate that. I don't think, I don't think it's possible. I think it's, a, it's always going to be a new feeling and new new experience as you kind of evolve as a musician. Um, so I think there's a yeah. kind of acceptance you have to accept that you're never mm. going to feel that feeling again, but it's going to be a different kind of kind of feeling, a better, you know, a different kind of joy. That's uh, a really good way of putting it. I think you're right. I think that initial, because you've got nothing to compare it to as well, like you know, like the initial feeling of, of like, for example, I can still kind of vividly remember the first time that I rehearsed in a band. And it wasn't at school, actually. It was at this, it was at this rehearsal room in Leicester called, called Stay Free. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I don't know why it's funny, but I mean, you know, we just accepted it. It was, it was, this, it was a cool building, actually. It was the old tax offices, right? Mm. Um, above Sheehan's, that music shop I was on about, um, just this near the train. Yeah, in Leicester, yeah. yeah. In Leicester, yeah. yeah. Um, next to the train station. And it was just these old rooms, you know, like it was like an old kind of art deco, maybe turn of the century building. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe more art deco. And and they hadn't really changed much about it since they'd become rehearsal rooms. 
So like people talked about, you know, finding, you know, like tax forms in the rooms. Um, (laughs) But it was, but it was, it was, I mean, yeah, it was all right. I mean, you know, it, it was, wasn't the nicest rehearsal room, but it certainly wasn't the worst. But yeah, you know, I remember the first time rehearsing there with Jack and this guy called Oliver James, who was in my, like, we, we were at school together as well. And he played bass and he'd literally just bought a bass, like, months before mm. and i just i just taught him the root notes to learn to fly by foo fighters yeah, and yeah. and i i know what you mean the first time doing it i was like man this is this is fucking great i was like this is cool i don't know exactly what you mean it's really hard to recreate that again but i think you're right in that 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 can't be recreated but you've you can kind of add to it you've got different experiences and so i know what you mean yeah, you know yeah it's uh um... definitely I mean, I was I was talking to to Ben about like the kind of the kind of drummer that I was when I was in Samuel Sharp, uh, there's a band that I was in with my two brothers um, between 2006 and 2011. Um, I was a more out of the box, unorthodox type of drummer. Yeah. And after sort of Samuel Sharp, and for like the next seven years, I was basically a session musician, you know, playing. Uh, parties and weddings just covers and functions and but my playing I became more solid as a player my tempo was much stronger and more consistent and my dynamics you know and I basically learned to play with dynamics whereas before I was just kind of one volume you know really loud really intense yeah Um, I remember that (laughs) but I mean it was was appropriate for the type of music we're playing of course Um, it was Absolutely. I do kind of look back fondly on, on that time in that I think my chops were, were like, I felt like my chops were better almost than they are now, but mm. I wasn't as good as a musician. I'm a better musician now, like I can hear the whole sound better now. Right? I, I can sit back. I don't, I don't have to kind of dominate with, you know, with my volume and, 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 you know, feeling like crazy and, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it's kind of, I, I think it's, it's good and bad, you know? Yeah. You become Absolutely. a better musician. You're more kind of conventional in the way you play. Uh, and I feel like I kind of lost some of that kind of out of the box kind of writing or playing like I was when I was in Samuel Sharp. So, mm. um, but I think I've just, I've just kind of evolved uh, into a more rounded player, more rounded musician, more rounded drummer uh, now. So, yeah, it's um, it's weird how you know how 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 you kind of change as a musician and what do you, how do you feel about yourself like from when you used to play in college back in Leicester and to now. Yeah, yeah I, I know exactly what you mean. I think um, you, when you're younger, you, because music is it's been so much to, I mean, I mean, I think it always means a lot to people, but when you're younger, you know, like when you're, you know, a teenager and all that kind of stuff, music means so much to you and it's a very personal thing. And I feel like that you take it so seriously that I remember, I mean, I, I did actually, some of the, some of the stuff that I've made a living from doing, like playing covers, um, I did actually do at quite a young age as well, um, but but it I, and and it was okay. But I always felt like the most important thing for me was was 
my own songs or playing covers I wanted to play and doing certain styles. And, and I definitely think that, that, um, you know, because of all the stuff that I've had to learn and had to play over the years, like you said, it definitely improves your overall kind of, um, your overall level as, as a musician and your understanding and the whole concept of like, it's not just a drummer thing. It's a whole musician thing. The idea of like understanding how to not overplay and like, I think that's one of the yeah. biggest things. So just a yeah. tiny tangent, but a good example is there's a really good friend of mine um, called Alex Dennis that I, I did the, the Creek gig with. Um, I, I was abroad last year. We'll talk about this in a bit. But um, and he's, he's a great guy. He's a really good singer. He's really good for his age. He's only about 23, 24. And, um, you know, he's got, the, he's got the right attitude and all that kind of thing. But you know, I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, but he overplays a lot, <laughs> you know, mm. and I, I, and I think it's something that I know because, and the reason I say that is that if I looked back at the way I played at a younger age, I do the exact same thing. Mm. I, th I think the biggest thing about being a musician is understanding when not to play. And it's mm. a hard thing because I think you feel like you've it got is. something to prove or you yeah. think, no, there's a silence. I can't have silence. You think yeah. you're doing yeah. something wrong. Yeah. It's not like, it's not, it's not all ego. It's not all hubris. It's, Sometimes you just think you have to, and it's there's nothing better yeah. than, than like not playing and going, man, the song can breathe. And I think you're right mm. about just when you're younger, you know, I think about the way I used to play, and then and then I think about the stuff that I've had to do. It's developed me as a musician definitely, but mm. I feel like with the original side of me, music-wise, and then the cover side of me, I I try to, I mean they do blur a little bit, but I try yeah. to kind of put a bit of a line in between them. Mm. So that I've got, I've kind of got two for the price of one. I can, I can kind of jump between. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, we we will we we will talk about your your you know mm. your kind of experience as a as a session musician uh, in a bit, and and obviously that that's something we can talk about in the kind of difficulty of being a uh, of being a kind of playing covers or being in a covers band or functional band, and also trying to be. Uh, in an originals band, in, in other words, being a kind of creative musician creating music, mm. it, it can it can cause problems. Uh, it can, you know, like playing functions and weddings can 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 be can be quite soul destroying and and um, can be yeah really affect your your sort of ability to write you know original music. Um, but yeah, mm. so I wanted to ask you actually because this is I, I just find this quite interesting. Is can you remember your first gig? Now, okay. Now, when you say that, I kind of feel like I've got two answers for this. I'm probably just being a bit pedantic, but the first gig that I attended, and then the first gig that I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay, go that's for, cool. Go for so, it. Go yeah. For it. Yeah. So, so were you, were you kind of on about the first gig I attended? Yeah. No, yeah, I was, I was on, I, no, I was on about the first gig you, you played. Sorry, oh, I great. No, that's okay, that's okay that. man. Um, so the first gig I attended was uh, Oasis <laughs> um, in 2000. Oh, God, 20 wow. years ago. Man. I know, right? I was like 12 at Wembley Stadium before they demolished it and like rebuilt it. That was pretty cool. Um, I couldn't see anything, but <laughs> but, but it, was, uh, it was good. Um, that was really cool, my brother. But my first gig playing, I've been thinking about this and... I suppose probably my earliest gig as like a musician was probably the orchestra at school. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I, I just remembered that, I mean, I had the band, you know, I played in Eliminated 2 or whatever, and we used to do gigs 
from like year nine onwards we played in the we did these drama theater gigs and they got us to play the assemblies and stuff but before then when i was in year seven i think they got me playing drums in the orchestra and it was all right but it was a bit dry for me i, I don't know I'd, I'd, especially you know when you're when you're 12 13 and you're starting to develop your tastes and you know i think mm. at the time i was i was like obsessed with like nirvana or something like that mm. so it's like it's like you know we're playing orpheus into the underworld and greece i was like uh you know and they tried to persuade me to stay and i was like well, i'm not really but it, it was fun um yeah, yeah. you know I, I think the the discipline of it was actually quite fun later on i think it you know even at the time i was like mm. but so yeah kind of orchestra stuff at school and then yeah just we did these drama theater gigs which were hilarious but you know just because she just had the music teacher sitting there just watching us going what kind of music is this and we're just like <gasps> <laughs> uh, you know, like we were playing like you know Rage Against the Machine and Foo Fighters and oh, System yeah. of a Down and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, well, that was good. So, but so so <laughs> let's talk about your first gig at, in your say your first gig in your fir the first band that you was in. Can you yeah. um, can you remember it? Can you remember how you felt? Because I, I I could I could quickly tell you about my first gig that didn't actually yeah. it didn't actually end up being the first gig because. Here's, here's the here's the story. So yeah, cool. So I was in a band with my brother Tom, uh, Tom Holland, uh, and another guy called Podder. Um, so I was, I was I was on drums. Tom was guitar vocalist. Podder was bass, and uh, we were called uh, You Palestine! Exclamation mark You Palestine! And uh, we so we had this basically my it was my first gig, and it was at a place called the Picket in Liverpool. Um, and it was basically a hip hop rap night, <sighs> right? So I don't know how we ended up on the bill. That always happens, doesn't it? Like yeah. they always. Oh, can I just ask, Rick? How yeah. old were you? I was. I think I was about sixteen. Okay, so yeah, were you still? Was, at, were you, were you was, just into college? I was, in, I was at college, so I was going to college yeah. in Liverpool at the time, studying music. Yeah, and the, my 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 campus uh, was literally at the top of the road of this place, um, the picket where we were playing. So, yeah, it was like a hip hop rap night, and it was it was pretty packed out, and um, you know the atmosphere wasn't great. It was like quite intense and quite yeah. almost like aggressive, and like didn't feel good. So we were waiting. We saw a few acts, uh, and then we came on and. We were just about to start playing, and some guy in the crowd shouted, Mosh Pit! <laughs> right? And everyone just started, like, they were just kind of fighting almost. Like, it just a massive brawl started, like a big scrap. The noughties, eh? Well, yeah, I mean, to me, I was just so nervous because I was like, I'm about to play my first ever gig yeah. in my life. And then some guy in the, in the fucking crowd shouted, Mosh Pit! And they all started fighting. And like the, the 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 bouncers or the security staff or whatever, they just basically got just opened the doors and just like kicked everyone out. So I didn't actually end up playing <laughs> my first gig. That was my first For gig. Fuck's sake. It was a massive brawl. Um, so yeah, and um, that was interesting. But I was just so nervous at the time that I didn't even know what was going on. It was like of course. Um, but so my actual first ever gig was uh, 
happened to be in a place called Barrow in Furness. Um, wow. Up in uh, Cumbria, I think it is. Yeah. And um, we've played that together. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway. so, but um, that was, um, yeah, obviously I was really nervous as well, same. Uh, Dad drove us up there and I don't really remember much about it, apart from a band that we played with who they were kind of a bunch of ass fucking dickheads basically they just they were just they were just like super like arrogant and egotistical and um but yeah so that's that was kind of my th i don't really remember much about it i just uh, it was kind of like just i was just incredibly nervous yeah same with any kind of first time you know obviously we won't talk about you know um of certain first times, but <laughs> that's one of a podcast series. <laughs> when Rick nice. Wallen, when Tom Fable and uh, Rick Wallen lost his virginity back in, yeah, people don't want to know about that. So your first gig, do you um, remember? Yeah, I suppose. Do I suppose it was. Still... <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I don't remember fuck all. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, school-wise, it was, yeah, I mean, I suppose I could kind of think of it as, you know, you do gigs within the school and college setting, but then, you know, the first gig you do outside of it can be a bit different. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, what I can remember of those kind of gigs was, you know, it was set up in the drama theatre and they'd set up a little stage and, God, in fact, it was, you know, one of them was really funny, actually. Um, so it was kind of promoted as, you know, at school, there was, you had to buy tickets and stuff. And, and like, we were going to play. And there was, I think there was other, some other people. But they, for some reason, like, to make it, like, a more rounded thing as a kind of social event for the kids. I think it must have been year eight or year nine. I'd say year nine, I reckon. So I was about 13. And they, they booked a DJ, right? Mm. So, so we were playing, you know, like, our own our own music some originals some covers and oh god you know um and and they put this dj and he was hilarious you know he's just he was i think what was he called oh god i can't remember I, I if i if i rang jack or something he'd probably remember but but he just kept saying the stupidest things and you know he just kept like that was it so this school that I was in in Leicester was in an area of Leicester called Evington, right? And he kept saying, good to be back in sunny Syston. Syston is an, another area of Leicester that's nowhere near. It's like the other part of Leicester. Yeah. And he kept, he kept saying, like, well, I was like we're not in Syston. <laughs> and he was, he's, yeah, he, he was just really funny. So, but the actual gig itself, yeah, I mean, you know, what you were saying about being nervous, you know, for me, like, I think because I was in school, it wasn't so bad, but college-wise... The first time that I did a gig kind of outside of college, that was quite scary because when you're at college, when you're at school, you're kind of with your peers and your friends. It's not so bad. Mm -hmm. Whereas your gig was like out in the open with an audience you don't know and all those yeah. kind of things. I think yeah. that's that's more of a kind of making your bones thing. And for me, one of my first experiences like that was like probably playing a working men's club when I was like 17. Um, and, you know the audience were just awful just no there was no response and we were just like why yeah. are we even here and i think yeah. the first time you do a gig when people don't when you're used to people responding i think we, we were kind of 
we, we were kind of uh, protected from that at college. They were like, oh, you're great. Well done. You're great. And we're like, oh, yeah, we're awesome. And then you do a gig where people are just like, it's rubbish, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. And they're just like, oh, and they're giving you the fingers and stuff like that. So Why play Wonderwall? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it can be It can be quite, it can be really disheartening. Like, I remember a couple of gigs when I've, you know, when I've made a mistake or people went, didn't respond, and I was just so upset. So I think it can be quite yeah. personal. So if I yeah, you kind of get used mm. to playing to empty rooms. Well, I I did anyway. So. Yeah, I did. <laughs> we we like to call it a glorified rehearsal. Paid rehearsal. That's paid rehearsal. That's it. Oh, yeah. Maybe not even paid. I mean, it can especially be orig- especially originals <laughs> gigs. Yeah, you know, at least a, at least if it's a function gig, you know, if it's a pub gig. I actually have a little story, yeah. funny one. Yeah, go for it. Oh, yeah, go for All it. All right, I was in a band. Get this right. I was in a band called. Riding Shotgun by Starlight with the Ominous Sigh. <laughs> that's, that was the band name, right? So, so it was a guy, basically a guy, uh, it, was this, uh, it was this Australian guy um, <sighs> called, called Scott, nice guy. Uh, he came over to Wigan. Um, he's a musician, and, and he had this band called Riding Shotgun by Starlight with the Ominous Sigh. And he ended up uh, recruiting me as a drummer and my, my friend uh, at the time uh, played bass. And um, so we played this one gig in Manchester, right? I can't remember the name of the place. And there was like no one there. There was just the other bands, yeah. the other bands playing on, on the bill. And yeah. when we started playing, even the bands, like, they just didn't watch. So they sat around the side. And I'm telling you, the only person watching us was Ben. He was sat on a chair in the middle of the, like, basically like the dance floor or whatever, just on his own, just sat there watching us. And I was like, I was just thinking to myself, we just pl- we're basically just doing a rehearsal here. Because it's like, the only person yeah. watching is Ben. Even the promoter wasn't watching. Like, nobody was watching. Part of- and it was just so odd. Because I was pretty young. Even the promoter? Even the promoter wasn't even watching. He was just sat to the side. And I, I was, this was my kind of, I'd say, second band after you palestine so yeah. i was still pretty young like 17. wow so it, yeah. it was kind of like pretty shocking but but funny it's at di- the same time yeah <laughs> i mean it's disheartening i know what you mean it's um the amount of gigs i've done where it's like yeah they'll book you for this gig and we'll do it and then it's just like and you even when you bring a couple of people it's just like oh is this it it's like well there's like four bands on they could have brought like five people each that would have been at least you know 20 people yeah. and you, you play to like three or at like least, the classic at least know. like the supporting bands at least just make a fucking effort to just stand there and just support like to me that's just a really bad kind of bad practice you know it's like i, I, I call it gig karma what's that then just people that don't do that people that that you play with and you know like they don't watch you they don't make an effort and they think they're all that yeah gig karma i call it they'll get what's coming to them yeah so right um right so now basically i wanted to so now we're going to transition to tom fable decides to move to sunny manchester um, from Leicester, uh, when did so? When did you move to Manchester? Do you remember? So, um, two thousand and seven, mm. September, September two thousand and seven. Mm. So I moved to to Salford, 
Um, not Manchester. And, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very, it's very. The, um, city in itself. Oh God, yeah, yeah. So Fordians will tell you that, which is you know, it's an older city as well. Fucking Salford, mate. Not Manchester. Not from Manchester, man. I'm from Salford. Um, we're just gonna, you know, get get all of the ma- Salford mafia wanting to kill us now. Um, but yes, yeah, so I moved in 2007, um, and you know, I, I, you know, I moved up, you know, because I I was, oh yeah, I did three years at college in Leicester, and I realised in that third year. Um, so did how... you, sorry, did you study music at college? Yeah, yeah so I did okay. a, I did a course called Access to Music, which was really good. It was amazing. Um, and so, and just because a part of it, the the, third, the the second year of the course was kind of split into two years. It was like two, like stage three A and B. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so a lot of my friends had gone to university in the third year. Um, you know, like friends that had gone to sixth form, and and it made me realise just how how much I wanted to leave my hometown. I was just, I was 18, I was almost 19 and I was ready to, I was like, I need to go. So yeah, so I wasn't going to go to uni at first, but then I kind of felt like a new city, that sounds good. And I all felt, I always felt more like I'd preferred the North. So I went to the the audition interview man, at Salford and, yeah. and I just got a great vibe and I thought great university. So and, can I ask you, how yeah. did you find out about the course then? The, so the course that, so basically me and Tom actually met on this course, which was called Popular Music and Recording mm, at, so. the, at the University of Salford. Uh, it was a um, bachelor's uh, degree. So how did you find out about this, this course then? <clears throat> From my tutors at college. Um, so I chatted to them about, I wanted to stu- 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 study a popular music degree. And it was a, it was, a lot of people went on it. Um, I think they told me that it was one of the first, I think it was the first university to offer a degree in popular music. So it was quite, it was quite popular. I think it had been, I think it first started up in like the nineties. I think they had different names for it, but, um, so they, um, yeah, so they, they can't, we kind of asked them about which universities they'd recommend. And so the ones they spoke, you know, they chatted about, the, you know, we chatted about Salford and they mentioned Lee's College of Music. And they chatted about some of the stuff down south, like the um, ACM, the Academy of Contemporary Music, one Guildford, that's quite popular. But I didn't want to move down south. So mm. kind of recommended that. And I had a look into it. It looked pretty good. And I had, you know, and um, so, yeah, so checked it out. And. I just got a great vibe from it. I love the building that we're in. It was a Delphi, you know, a Delphi building. I thought it was really cool. Um, it was, it's like this old turn of the century soap factory thing. Um, which I thought and was now cool. it's, now it's basically a derelict building because they've moved the, they've basically got a, a new, a, a new building, haven't they? The, uh, the popular music and recording, the, the music department. Yeah. I've got a new, new, new department, essentially a new building, uh, on, on a different part of the campus. And now they have our al- alma mater, alma mater. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> I think it's alma mater. Al- alma mater. Uh, our alma mater. The building is is still there, but it's just like a derelict building, mm. isn't it? Like a ghost, like a ghost building almost. Yeah. So, oh man, some of the times there, man. <laughs> yeah, interesting yeah. building. Very a lot of character. So yeah, I liked ca- it. Yeah, carry on. Yeah. So um, and I I just wanted to move to a bigger city and. And yeah, you know, I, I like the vibe of Manchester. And I mean, I was going to apply for, I was actually had my heart set on Leeds College of Music, um, okay. which I heard good things about as well. Went for an audition and I think I got in as well. But I just, oh. I just went, 
I kind of changed my mind. I was just like, I went to the interview at Salford and I was like, no, I, I think I want It was a bigger city as well, I thought. And also the idea of going to a conservatoire as opposed to like a, 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 a university, I kind of felt yeah. like the chance to meet more people and there's more going on. Whereas I think conservatoires can be a little bit, again, a little bit insular, a little bit closed yeah. up, you know, from the world. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I actually had an in, I actually had an audition at um, Lipper, Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts. So I, I didn't even get an audition. I applied for that and they turned me down. So yeah, it's, they're pretty pretty. They got a pretty high bar though. Uh, I think I I didn't get I didn't get a place. Uh, yeah, I did the audition, but I didn't. I wasn't successful. But um, mm. I, I I probably I feel because Tom Tom and Ben, uh, my brothers, uh, ended up doing the same course, and so I kind of followed them there and. You know, it's good to have people there that you know. So it's probably a better, better choice in there that I went to Salford and did PMR. So yeah, carry on. Yeah. So yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. You know, like it was, it was, it was good. Um, where are we? Um, and I, I, I did, in, I did enjoy it. There was a lot of kind of interesting people. Um, some, some interesting tutors. Some, you know, so, some great. You know, how, how so so you moved to Manchester? How, how did you feel in your first few years? Did you, you know, did you settle in okay? What was the city like? And 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 uh, you know, how did it compare to to Leicester? And... I'll be honest. I've, um, I mean, I, I did like it, but I felt a bit overwhelmed at first. I mean, in the first six months, mm. um, you know, because it was such a bigger place. Um, yeah. You know, having a, such a big city on your doorstep. Um, but I did love it, you know. I, I'm definitely a city person, and and you, I did love just having so much to immerse myself with in terms of, you know, the pubs and the venues and the bars and the restaurants and the culture and the museums and the, you know, what I mean, all those kind of things. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I know it sounds really like cheesy and it sounds like I'm just being like kind of nostalgic and silly, but just like. I really like the architecture of Manchester. I, I found it fascinating. Mm. And I, I loved, like, when I first, when we first moved here, and I remember in the first year, like, going to, you know, going to town, going to the city centre, and, and just walking, walking down Portland Street, and then walking down Oxford Road, and just looking at all the buildings, and it was just like, oh, this is bonkers. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, yeah. I, yeah, I, I did really, is, yeah. it is I did really in that. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, you know. It's a great um, city, yeah, yeah, it is a great city. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, I think also, like, I kind of felt like the North was my home after being there a little while. You know, I felt like I couldn't really identify with my hometown anymore. I felt like I'd moved on. Mm. Um, and every time I went home, you know, for summer and that kind of thing, and Christmas, I just, I just felt like I was going backwards. Maybe yeah. it's a... Maybe it's a youngest son syndrome, but I don't know. I, I just, I just couldn't identify with it anymore. Um, and I, I like the, I like the grittiness of Salford as well. You know, like as opposed to being in Manchester. I think at first I, I, I was like, I wish I could study in Manchester rather than Salford. But I kind of like the, I like the grittiness of it. It kind of reminded me of where I, where I grew up as a kid. Um, and but I did like going into Manchester, and I really like walking down Oxford Road and just kind of just breathing in the 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 uh the madness <laughs> yeah. um of, it was great i mean the, so. i think i think there's a statistic that oxford road is like one of the busiest streets during the academic year 
because you've got the two big universities there, so mm. a lot of international students. Um, yeah. It's like one of the busiest streets in, like, I think, Europe or something, like during during the academic year. That would make complete sense. Crazy you've got, busy. You know, you've got the raw, you've got raw northern as well. Raw northern college of music, yeah. So um, yeah. But yeah, I feel the same. Like when I'm in the city, it's like, it's the chaos. I don't know. In a weird way, I kind of it feels like therapeutic. Like the smell, yeah. the exhaust, the people, the the, the skagheads and the pissheads and the and all that. So, absolutely, yeah. and I and and amongst that as well. And I know it, you know, sounds a bit, but I think it's just worth saying. But you know, coming from a coming from a small city like Leicester, where you, if you go to town, you kind of generally see people you know, and it, nothing feels new sometimes. Mm. Whereas going to Manchester and kind of just seeing that many people and I, I know and the women that was good you know like <laughs> like you know just going as down a, as a single uh, yeah bachelor from from leicester you know yeah, yeah. i mean yeah obviously it's great if you know for meeting people like you meet a lot of new people and like yeah exactly you know, it's a very cosmo <laughs> cosmopolitan sort of city so you you know just people from all over the world um mm. sort of massing there and um so yeah, I mean, I felt I felt the same way about when I moved from Wigan. Like Wigan's a really, you know, small town. Um, when I started to when I moved from Wigan to Salford to to study music at university, it was like I moved from from Wigan to Salford, and you know, it's basically I've spent most of my adult life in in like Manchester and Salford. So, and to me, it feels more like home there. Um, than, than Wigan so but you know I, I did I had my upbringing here and like I did start playing music in Wigan and, and I was part of the Wigan music scene mm. during during a period when it was when it was pretty it was pretty like active and we had we even had a lot of bands from overseas come and playing and it was a really strong music scene for for that sort of I'd say great early noughties to to, to late noughties uh, I have no idea what it's like now, but uh, anyway, so, yeah, so, um, so, I mean, how how was it studying popular music recording, like, you know, what, overall, your experience and the people that you met, and, yeah, so, tell me about. It was, um, it was good, I mean, like, I, I liked the course overall, the content was pretty good, I, I did enjoy a lot of it. Um, yeah. some of it I didn't really get at the time like when we you know I remember the first year of, you know first year the first month we were there and stuff and I was like great we're gonna you know we're gonna be doing loads of playing and playing songs and writing stuff and and then you know we started we had these you know musicology sessions and they gave us these massive handouts and we were and we were reading about you know like high culture and mass civilization and I was just like what? I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, you know, I remember at the time just being a bit like, is, is this what we're supposed to be doing? But then, you know, I actually quite enjoyed it afterwards. I think once I kind of realised, but, um, so that, that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, we, we had, we basically, uh, so yeah, me and Tom oh. were on this course and we had, we had, this, there was this one, uh, like tutor or lecturer, or <laughs> a guy called Tim Wise. Yeah. An American guy. And he was, Hi Tom. He was a proper character, really eccentric. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome. But yeah, he was he was entertaining, and 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 he was he was very much on the kind of academic 
music musicology kind of kind of side of the course so yeah yeah so we we did end up you know he was kind of leading that and um doing the lectures on our on on who who are the authors like some of the authors we we stood levis levis that was the uh, first one and then we did the frankfurt school yeah. so we did we did a door a door no adorno adorno and altusser altusser um, and it's like if i really think you should read um something by a, a guy called roland bart and it's called it's called it's called roland the, bart it's called the death of the author i think you know <laughs> or what was it um no no the, the what was it not the death of the author there was something else that you did by roland bart um it might have been the like i can't remember exactly what it was but i ended so, up reading that yeah. i i so i have some stories about this guy because he, he, he's a it. proper mad mad fucking mad lad so mad so, lad <laughs> so uh, you might remember this this time where this one day we had a lecture with with Tim uh, up in yeah. the lecture theatre, uh, and, and this is in the the old building that's still there now but not being used anymore. Um, he basically didn't show up. Yeah, I remember this for the lecture, right? Okay, so we're all sitting there, half about half an hour's passed, and he's not showed up. Yeah. Then he turns up, and he says he's he f he forgot about he was in the pub having a drink. <laughs> And he forgot about the lecture. And we were just pissing ourselves. <laughs> I was like, oh, Tim. Do you remember when, um, yeah, I remember his excuse was like, he was just like, yeah, sorry, I completely forgot. I was having this amazing discussion with him. <laughs> we, and, uh, we, all, we all kind of gave him the pass because we were just like, oh, Tim. Yeah, we were like, oh, Tim Wise. You know? And then do you, remember, do you remember when we did, um, when we did, um, when he played his, we were talking about, um, you know, we were doing the uh, musical semiotics, you know, the Phil Tag stuff. And yeah. and he started, and he played My Sharona and then demonstrated it that, like, he used a pen and said it was ejaculation. Oh, yeah. And he was like, my, 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 wow. <laughs> <Like that. laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there was, a, there was a one day where, I don't even remember, you might not be in there, I'm not sure, he actually brought a guitar in. Oh, I missed that. And he, he just started he just started playing, like going for it in the middle of a lecture. Oh man. Just like yeah. shredding. And I was like, this is fucking incredible. Yeah, I missed that. <laughs> I'm, I'm so annoyed I missed that because I heard about it and I was like, man, like yeah, like So there were some I mean there were some good shooters. Um there was a couple that I I, I didn't have that much time for. Um yeah, I don't, I don't, but, uh, want, I don't want to name drop too many people, but no. Uh, let's just say I, there was um, a certain tutor who, who um, uh, let's say, he had a <laughs> he had a successful past, shall we say, and um, yeah. I wasn't going to name names. Don't worry. He liked um, to he liked to talk about himself and and, and his and his past uh, um, success during the lectures, and um, constantly. And he, he wasn't he wasn't particularly uh, popular with uh, with the uh, other um, students and previous years as well. So so frustrating. Anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but let's not yeah let's not get into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean I, I guess now we can we can kind of uh, segue to to post university because uh, because this is a really interesting time because. We've we've been in this in this kind of uh, in this kind of 
chamber of, of musicians for three years. For me, it was four mm -hmm. years because I, I did foundation music. Of course, yeah, yeah. And then you, you're basically all the stress and all the, you know, pushing towards the final project and, you know, handling your dissertation and, you know, it's all done and then you've submitted everything and it's like, shit, what do I do now? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and obviously we got our results and it was like, great, got, I got distinction and uh, first class uh, for me personally. And then, then we had the, obviously had the graduation ceremony and but then it was like, yeah, it was like, what do I do now? What now? Yeah. Like, I didn't really have, I don't really have a plan. I'm mean, like, get a job, yeah. But for me, it was pretty, it was rough. Like, yeah, it was pretty mm. rough. I mean, how, what was it like for you sort of post-university? And... <sighs> Same kind of thing. I mean, um, you know, I, I decided, because I'd already got a bit of a background in teaching already, I kind of felt like, I thought, well, I should do a PGC you know, um, like a, you know, postgraduate certificate education, like a, it's basically like training to be a secondary school teacher. So I thought, mm. well, that'd be good because it means I can teach music, you know, I've already been kind of teaching for a while and, and I still had this concept in my mind of, oh, you can't be, you know, you can't be a musician and have a, and it be a real job, you know, mm. um, which we'll get into later. But, um, so I thought, oh, I'll get, a, you know, get a job as a teacher. I thought it'd be fun and, but it was, it was really hard, man. It was like, you know, it was like probably the worst year of my life. <laughs> um, mm. It was really hard and it really wasn't for me and it was so stressful and it was a big, it was a big, it, it, it kind of, it hit me back a lot, you know, and I, but I understand exactly what you're saying as well in that, that you finish your degree and you, you feel quite directionless. You're not sure. And I mm. that, that's probably why I wanted to do that. Um, but it was tough. But then afterwards, by kind of failing that course, I mean, I kind of dropped out towards the end because I just had a fucking nervous breakdown. But um, it was just awful. But, um, uh, you know, it kind of made me decide that I wanted to focus more on just instrumental teaching. So I just kind of got into that. I, I, think, I, I think I got a job at Dawson's, in you know, Dawson's Music. They used to have one in Stockport. And um, so I got a job teaching guitar there and I just kind of built it up. And then I then kind of moved a little bit into paid function work as well. But it's the whole post uni thing is, it's just a blur, you know, like mm. it really was a blur, you know, it's just, it's bonkers. You know, it takes a while for you to kind of recover from the shock of it. It's hard. Mm. You know? um, yeah. Mm. I mean, for me, I just, um, I ended up getting like a nine to five office job. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was, it was really depressing. Because yeah. I was like, I've studied for four years, uh, you know, studying music, you know, practicing three hours a day, doing bloody rudiments, doing this and that, you know, learning how to play a fucking Mozambique on the cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm sat in this fucking office in, in Altrincham, yeah, doing a yeah. fucking office job, being abused by one of the managers because he was a piece of shit and... He fucking hated my guts, man. That's a whole other story in itself. Um, but yeah, it was it was really depressing. It was I, I was really struggling. I was really suffering, man. Like I just I just couldn't believe it. I'm like I worked so fucking hard on that course, and it's like is this this is the it felt like you know is this the result of all my sort of blood, sweat, and tears? Is to be sat in this fucking office forty hours a week. 
It's weird, isn't it? With a bunch of people that I, I don't get on with. In fact, now I look back on it, it was proper imposter syndrome the whole time I was there. I just felt like an imposter. Yeah. Um, it was a horrible feeling. And um, yeah, I mean, as a musician, I, I, it kind of, things kind of went to the back burner. I wasn't playing anywhere near as much. And Samuel Sharp was kind of coming to an end. Um, we were still doing the odd gig here and there. This is like 2010. So, so me and Tom actually graduated in uh, 2010. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, and and Samuel Sharp was kind of was kind of, you know, in decline, kind of coming to the end of its life. Um, so yeah, musically, it was I had to kind of put everything on the back burner, and I was just like doing this job and. I just didn't, yeah. I mean, I had, I mean, I had like the most money I'd ever had in my life. You know, I was kind of salaried or whatever. I felt like an adult or like a grown-up. I was like, you know, going out on the weekends, having to, you know, piss up and and then doing the whole grind again from Monday. And um, but yeah, so mm. yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, like for me personally, it was like. There was a lot of, I was doing a lot of like chopping and changing like jobs and uh, I had a period of like, like you as well, of teaching uh, one-to-one drum tuition and yeah. we, 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 me and Tom worked in the same uh, music school. Um, yeah, we did, yeah. Music school um, in Manchester and um, I was, then I had my own students for a period. Actually, I had my own room, uh, like I was renting like a room. Yeah, yeah, isn't a mill, yeah. Uh, yeah, back of Isabel teaching there. Mm. Um, doing okay for a bit, and uh, but then it kind of uh, it didn't work out, and had to. So it it, it it's really hard to um, to find stability as a mm. musician. It in this it country, really is. You know, personally, from my experience in this country, it is it's really rough being a being a like a session musician. I I, I guess we could we could go to that now, like. Um, mm. What's been your experience uh, being a session musician, and talk about like your your experiences and, and what you, what have you done? What's your resume? You know. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to just you know quickly start off with that that term session musician because okay. it's um it's an interesting one because it's something that when I was at college we. Um, you know, we thought it was something that you could make a living from. You know, like you could, you could, you could move to London and you could get a job, and you could, mm. you could move to London and get a job mm. playing like playing uh, in on, on recording sessions for yeah. famous artists, right? Yeah. You know, if you can read, then you can do it. You know, that kind of thing. And then the same thing with the idea, of like a live session musician, like a side man, side person. I think um, I'm just going to say, I think that's the kind of thing what we were sold when we was in university. It was like, yeah. They were trying to. They were basically selling us the idea that you can be a, you can be a session session musician if you learn to sight read, if, if you you know if you practice like three four hours a day. In a way, they were trying to sell that that kind of that idea. I mean, yeah, it is possible, but it's very unlikely that you will be successful as a session musician. Exactly, in my, in my opinion. I agree. And the main problem when you think about it is the absolute oversaturation of overqualified musicians. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's not just a problem here. It's very much a problem in the States. 
you know, if you think about like people coming out of Berkeley and, you know, all the kind of schools of music and stuff. So you're definitely right. And also technology is very different now. So, you mm. know, everybody can basically essentially record everything themselves. You know, they've got their own programs, they've got their own equipment. Yeah, it's so you can, easy. You can even get sound libraries of, 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 of drum kits, people playing drum kits. And you just can just drop <sighs> it in there and you don't even have to have a live musician playing. No. So technology is a big part of, of the kind of changes and in, in it the is. industry. So, yeah, I mean, so I, I definitely, I, I just wanted to, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get onto what we're talking about, but I definitely think the whole session musician thing was, you know, I remember at Salford, in fact, Tim France of all people, um, mm. who was a tutor, tutor at Salford. Um, and uh, and I remember him just kind of saying that there isn't a session scene anymore. There's like four people that do it all. Mm. And we were just like, great. So we're, we're doing a, we had a unit on at Salford Uni called Session Musicianship. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was quite a funny thing. But um, yeah, yeah. I think I think that there is there is there are there are jobs, but it's so hard to get into it. But I think the way that you can make money is, I suppose it could, it, it it still is a session musician, but it's more different. Is kind of the more function work thing. So the function model. So the idea of like, so what I mean by function work is like playing playing in a band or some sort of group where you are playing covers for a specific function like for example a wedding a birthday corporate corporate events and you know that yeah. kind of thing so yeah. that's kind of the easiest way well kind of that's so the can i just sorry yeah. can i just um, say uh, ask you what would be the kind of requirement uh, as a as a as a function band what are the sort of things you'd have to do so maybe like <clears throat> We talk about playing two forty-fives, for example. Yeah. Uh, we talk about a bit about that. Like, what are the kind of ins and outs and and the of being, being in a function band? <clears throat> so, very good question. Um, so, I'd say that in no particular order. You know, there's not one that's more important than the other. But um, first of all, you, um, in fact, there's a really good video by Adam Neely. There's a guy called Adam Neely on YouTube. He's very good. He does a lot of good f f uh, YouTube videos. But he's worth mentioning. Yeah, without sounding cheesy, I, I will. I can. I can link him in the in the uh, description. Please do. Get into that hole. Like and yeah. subscribe, guys. Like and subscribe. <laughs> you click, click. Is it? But yeah, Just I will. Tick, I will tap that button. I, I will link him. Yeah, because if you don't want to talk about right. him a bit, yeah. Yeah, but no, no, just because he actually did a video about this, um, which was quite cool. And and I, yeah, and I watched it and I was like, that is definitely it. But and I do have, you know, students sometimes asking about it. I would say, so so first of all, um, having a, a, a vast knowledge of songs from a load of different styles of music. Now, generally, that there are more styles that are more popular than others. So, for example, like Top 40, uh, Soul and Motown, um, yeah. Naughty's rock is a big thing at the moment in the past five or ten years because everyone that is our age is getting married, so they all want to hear the killers. So, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, it's fucking, that's depressing, isn't it? Mr. Brightside, yeah. Mr. Shiteside, as Mr. we call Shite it side, in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. <laughs> um, but um, God, the amount of times I played that song for fuck's sake. Um, I liked it when I first heard it in 2004. Anyway, but um, so it's been so, played to death now, and it's so yeah. So the, carry on, yeah. Yeah, there's that whole meme about like, like people shouting for Mr. Brightside when you're playing it. But um, 
<laughs> wankers. But um, yeah, so knowledge of music. So, uh, uh, you know, like basically learn a lot of songs, have them like ready to go. Like, you know, know them roughly. So, because yeah. you mentioned the idea of 245s, you might be in a situation where you do a depth gig and you will just pull together what you know because there's bound to be crossover. What, I've done gigs. What's a depth gig then? Ah, sorry, yeah. So um, I think it's short for deputizing. So it's a term that we tend to use more in the UK, in the America, they tend to call it a sub, like a substitute. substitute so, yeah. yeah. So basically, it's a situation where you are a stand in for another musician who can't play that gig. Mm. And, you, and then sometimes it might be very short notice. Mm. Like, I've done gigs where they've asked me to do a dep on the night, like three hours before, and they've said, here's the address. Here's the set list. Sometimes I've done gigs where there's no set list. So yeah, I've yeah. I've got there and I've gone, right, oh, nice to meet you. My name's Tom. Hello, my name's so-and-so. Never met them before. And then we go, right, what are we going to play? And they go, and they sit down and they go, right, what do you know? And I say to them, what do you guys know? And we just, you know. And so because you have that knowledge, it makes it so much easier. Um, so yeah, that's... I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a kind of couple of stories about Deppin, which is pretty funny. Oh, but but let's oh, just carry we on. We have so um, many. Man, um, we could be here for... So let's talk about yeah. So you've told so Deppin is essentially just um, standing in for a, for another musician that can't play that that gig or that show. Yeah. Um, and it can it can you it tends to be pretty short notice. Um, so so I do have one particular story where I was asked to Depp for um, go for it, man. Um, I was asked to Depp for a basically like a I guess you could we call it like a pit gig or like a theatre style gig of course yeah, yeah. Uh, it was for, for Les Miserables as I call it at the time Les Miserables <laughs> no, no 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 you said Les Miserables Les Miserables I was like I played but in, I played, but in your I in your accent I did for this guy like uh, did the uh, Les, Les Miserables Les Miserables um, it was in um, East uh, East Manchester uh, in a high school and it was like the final show of, mm. of the kind of, of the series or whatever and I, I got the score on the day uh, three and a half hour score, three and a half hour piece, and it looked like it looked like honestly, right? If you've ever used like, um, uh, is it Sibelius or Sonar, and you've used the drum notation, okay? Sonar, yeah, I use, it's terrible. It's like shockingly bad. Like, like nothing's grouped. It's nothing's just all, grouped. Yeah. It looked like that. This is what the score looked like to me. <sighs> Man, all like irregular time signatures, and uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Like I, I re I'm thankful, obviously, to the drummer that that gave me the sh the gig, and uh, but he was like, "Oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine." He just passed it to me. Oh, you'll be fine, no worries. So I get uh, so I get there, yeah, and uh, again, this is another imposter syndrome feeling. I I had no clue what I was doing. I had the bassist sat next to me. He was basically cueing me in every like five every time every like five seconds. I was losing my place. He was cueing, oh, he was having to cue me back in. It was horrendous, and I literally like I wanted as soon as the show was over, I wanted to just pack up and leave and get out of there. And just I just thought, I mean, there was a there was a bunch of like Royal Northern College of Music players there as well. That was a crazy experience. Um, mm. But um, I mean, we 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 we've actually played it in a few together in a, in a couple of function bands. So we have, yeah, we have, we have, we had some interesting. Uh, experiences I'd say. Yeah. One in particular we played um this really rough pub in like a place called Haywood in North Manchester. Oh god, yeah, fucking hell. Oh, I forgot that. That was that was that was probably 
the fuzz. Uh, yeah, it was a while ago. And um, two thousand and nine, maybe. So let's just say um, the people uh, were pretty. I'd just say kind of um, chavy, kind of uh, skinhead, like BMP kind of Brexit kind of people, you know. <laughs> and we, this is like we're we're playing like playing, you know, during the songs, like guys would just be like. I'm not even kidding. Like one just got one guy just got his dick out. And he did, like, didn't he? Got his he cock out. Got his cock out and just started flapping about everywhere. <laughs> and then there was like there was like four year old like mums like grinding up against like oh, the pillars God. and stuff. And oh, oh God, what, yeah. what did you what can you remember from? Can you remember much from that gig? Apart <laughs> from falling was, over. <laughs> we did two. Yeah, there was that. We did two of those gigs. Um, the, I remember the first one being a bit better. But it it was the kind of you know grinding, grinding you know, like mums, which was a bit weird. But um, but it, at least they were kind of like getting into it and having a good time. And then the second time it was just these chavy lads, and yeah, one of them just got his cock out, and it was fucking tiny, just like, <laughs> just like it's like a fucking it's like a seahorse, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, oh, man. yeah. And then yeah, I fell over. <laughs> the, uh, the the um, it tell, was, tell us uh, about that because that, that was that basket was just, case. I was playing basket was a, case. Green day. It's a Green Day song, like really popular Green Green Day song. So my excuse for it was that we were fucking, you know, like we were, we were in the corner of a pub, you know, usual pub gig where they go, right, you're over there, lads, and it's like, you know, Shut fucking in a corner with no yeah, no, you, no plugs, no stage, nothing. You just, just like you know, you know, like how pubs, like saloon style pubs, have got the kind of uh, wooden shelves to go all the way along. About kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. when we were trying to kind of fit, so you kind of went into a corner, and then Jack was borrowing this bass rig from fucking Josh Brush Brearley. That's a you know, you know Josh Brearley at yeah. Salford, Salford Uni, and it was this massive Trace Elliott like rig. It was fucking huge. It was like a four like a 410 or something like that um and god knows how we fit that in so so and then me and carl were just kind of squeezed up so i i couldn't really move and so yeah. I, the reason i fell was was putting on my distortion pedal for the you know um for the da -da, da -da. that was why i fell over so but you, i kind of fell you literally over like, like, i because i i was i was obviously on the i was obviously on the drums and <laughs> yeah. i had like i had like first person perspective and yeah. i just saw him like Tom literally just—he just tipped forward onto his face, like, and just like face planted the floor, just as we we're about to like all kind of—it's like the kind of the section where you all come together and yeah, and, uh, like, like the band comes in, and he uh, literally hit the floor as the section in the song changed, and it was <laughs> fucking hell. It was incredible, man. That was good. That was good. Yeah, so, good. Was so um, many stories. Yeah. Look, I mean, like, so, I mean, they're the kind of gigs where you're like, you're really fucking struggling as a musician and you're going to take anything you're given, basically. 50 quid, 50 quid pub gig in bloody some rough part of Manchester, you'll take it because you fucking, you need to fucking pay your bills or you... Well, yeah, you know, especially in 2009, you know, like, yeah, when you, you know... It's, it's, it's des desperate measures, like, you know. <laughs> but one thing I will say about it is, though, it's, it's character building. And it it's 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 fun, and we can laugh about it now. Yeah. Um, but I do know what you mean. Playing pub gigs can be very, very soul destroying because sometimes they can be the best, and sometimes they can be the worst. Because 
and it's hard to describe, but I know what you mean money-wise. It's it's shocking. Um, I think I think generally, uh, as as a if you're in a function band, yeah. So you're playing you're playing uh, weddings, you're playing uh, parties, you're playing corporates. Generally, I'd say ninety. I would actually say close to 100% of the time you're playing to the non-musos so people who are not musicians yeah generally yeah and they yeah. generally they'll be pissed as well so that's your audience almost which, 100% of the time that's your audience can be great because they can be really into it <laughs> yeah, yeah um but it can be awful um yeah. you know so definitely so, i mean yeah it, it's kind of like you do have to play to the audience um, whatever they want, uh, essentially. So that's the kind of downside of being in a in a covers band. And, uh, but like, I wanted to, yeah. I mean, now we can. I wanted to kind of segue to your experience uh, working. So Tom has actually has actually played on the ships, uh, cruise ships, as a musician, um, which is considered nowadays probably one of the most stable uh, kind of positions you can get as a professional musician is to work on the ships because you get like yeah quite long contracts like six six months usually um you know you get a steady monthly income you get all your board paid for your food and you get to see some really beautiful places around the world and yeah man kind of travel as well at the same time and, and um so yeah if you want to talk a bit about that um yeah <laughs> yeah made some notes on this oh my god um <laughs> So, yeah, playing on ships is um, is interesting. I mean, I only did it briefly um, for about three or four weeks. Um, so it's, I'd, I'd say, okay, so what I'll do is I'll just tell you about the, <clears throat> the goods and the bads, and then I'll tell you about what happened to me. <laughs> so the goods are, like, like you were saying, Rick, um, you know, it's, 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 it was a decent salary. Like, it, it was, I was getting paid kind of, close to what I might have got in like an office job. It was yeah. actually quite a lot of money. Um, yeah. That's the so, good thing about it. It's like you actually feel like yeah. you're being paid for what, what you should be being paid as, as a professional musician. In, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, you, you, all your food's paid, you know, you've got the food was really good on the ships. You got, you can eat food in the mess. The mess is like, you know, like where the staff eat and stuff. So you can eat, but you can also eat on, on deck with the with the passengers. But yeah. then you're at the mercy of them asking the stupidest questions and being complete wankers. But um, so, um, so yeah, it's good in that sense. You get to see the world. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I went to New Zealand, which was fucking amazing. Um, amazing yeah. The social element of it is great. Like, and this is me as like someone in my my 30s. You know, I, I really like the social element of it. Like, because there's so many different people on the ship. There's like, the ship I was on, which was the Majestic Princess, it was like 4,000 crew. So there's a lot of people. And mm. so you get to meet loads of different people. Even if you don't get along with some, you're going to find people that you get along with. So the crew bar was great. Just hanging out with different types of people from loads of different countries. Um, yeah. So the social element of it was really cool. Um, yeah the playing element of it can be really good as well if you have the right people um the bad sides of it having a cabin you have to share with someone that's tiny with no window yeah that was hard yeah, um, heard, yeah yeah being stuck on the ship uh, when you're at sea for more than a few days that's hard 
because mm. it's boring. You've got nothing to do. You know, we, we, what was it? Someone called it the um, the blue desert. That's what they call the ocean. You know, like when you, it's it's like yeah, the blue that's desert. True. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, weird. It is, it is a desert in in a sense. It's just a yeah. different kind of desert. You know, it's a it's a weird one. Um, and what makes that harder as well is that because the passengers have nothing to do, you have to work harder as an entertainer. So there's more things going on. Whereas when you when you dock somewhere, when you you know when on on your itinerary you stop somewhere, everyone's off the ship. So most you're not doing much until nine o'clock, eight o'clock. Mm, mm. Now my experience, I'll try and keep it short, but um, I joined this um, I joined this function band very late. They needed a bassist, and I was like, you know, it was at the time, and I wanted to work abroad, and I came across this post, and I was like, great. So I looked into it, and I was like, great, sounds good. And they told me about the itinerary. The first one was New Zealand and Australia, and then it was going to involve bits of Southeast Asia, and then the next one was going to be Canada. So I was like, you know, Alaska and stuff, and I was like, great, sounds amazing. This is great. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I got given all these songs. I knew most of them, but I learned the rest. I went to start rehearsing with these guys, and I was a bit... I was a bit sure about the singer. You know what I mean? I know singers can be a bit anyway. They can be, you know, singers can be a bit, you know, they, they think they're right when they're not. I mean, not all singers, but mm. some. Mm. But I was just like, me, me and the keys player, this guy called Ryan, he was really good. We were chatting like afterwards, had some food and we're like, what's the deal with, you know, I don't mind saying her name. I don't give a shit. She's called Lindsay. Um, and, uh, and he was like, oh, I don't know. So anyway, we got on the ship and I realised that she couldn't sing. Like she couldn't, she couldn't sing in tune. She yeah. couldn't, she, she didn't know when, you know, she had that, she didn't know when to come in on a song, like to start. She mm. couldn't count. Mm. She couldn't clap. She didn't understand you were supposed to clap on two and four. So, so the question is, how did this person get the gig? I don't know. <laughs> like the only thing I can think of is that they had this audition and they chose songs that they were really good at and they were good enough. Well, maybe maybe the people who who are who are kind of doing the auditions are not musicians themselves. They're more. Well, the funny thing know. is, they are. The oh, guy. They are. I'm, oh. I'm not. I'm not going to mention. Well, obviously, I won't mention agencies or anything. But the guy that booked us was he used to be a cruise ship musician. So, and he, I I don't know how he wasn't. I don't know how he wasn't kind of, you know, culpable for the decision. So mm. yeah. So it was a nightmare because. She didn't. She hadn't learned enough songs. We had about three days worth of material at best. Mm. So repeating songs after two or three days on a ship, I was like, mm. "This is really, really bad." And yeah. she, you know, we got to the point where we we're having arguments on stage. You know, she was awful. She just refused to listen to uh, to any form of not even criticism, just suggestions. Like, like I'd say, right, we've not got enough songs, Lindsay. You tell me, tell me all the songs that you know that we've not done yet. Just give me mm. a list of like twenty tunes, mm. and we'll learn them. We were saying that we'd go and learn them. She still wouldn't do that. And in the end, we got we got kicked off early. Got, After three basically weeks. Basically got fired, essentially. Basically. Yeah. But they didn't say that. Their excuse was, um, we don't think you're the right kind of band for us as we go into, because we were going into, the, um, we, were, we were kind of going to go into more of a, they called it like an Asian season, because we were kind of picking up more Asian passengers, because we were going to be getting a lot of people from China and Japan. So yeah. they said that we weren't really, and I agree, because one of the things that I noticed was that when we first started playing, we had people coming up to us asking us to play ballroom music, which I remember when me and you prepped for the ships years ago, 
Do, mm. do you remember us learning mambos and cha chats? We did that, didn't Trying we? Trying to, yeah. But well, I'm, I'm absolutely hopeless at playing <laughs> that kind of stuff. So. No, no, but like we did it. You know what I mean? We did do mm. it. Whereas, like, there was none of that. And I was like, and I thought, you're right. We we should know all of these. We should know tangos. We should know rumbas. You know, all that Dave Hassel stuff. And yeah. so, yeah. So one of the hardest things about it was Dave that, Hassel, amazing drummer, yeah. incredible, incredible drummer, <clears throat> uh, teacher. He was he was one of the drum tutors at. Um, at Salford, uh, I don't know if he might still be there, but he was also, no. he was also, the, I think he was the main tutor at Royal Northern College of Music as well. Yeah, I think he still is at Royal Northern. Yeah, he's yeah. he's very well known on the kind of Manchester scene, and, and uh, very. he's yeah. been he's played for like I don't know forty fifty years, and yeah, yeah. really interesting guy, really amazing drummer musician. So yeah, carry on. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, I like him. I like Dave Hassel. Yeah. He's, he's a funny guy. He's got a lot of character. Um, so yeah, one of the hardest things for me that really kind of really pissed me off the most was <clears throat> the other musicians on the ship were really I really liked them. So there was so we were the way it worked in the band in the ship. We were the like there was a party band which we were. So we kind of played in the midship area, the atrium area, <clears throat> and then there was. So what? What's um? You talk about party band. So this is something that's pretty common on 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 working on the cruise ships as a musician. You have the party you you play in a party band, or you you're uh, the other one is when you basically an orchestral read. musician, orchestral like orchestral musician. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's yeah. So we've got you've got kind of a self-contained band that just play, and then you have the shows that happen in the theatre where they have like an orchestral band. Yeah. So, but so, the party band actually, they actually have their own repertoire that they bring yeah, with them. They absolutely. So they learn like five hundred songs or something. <clears throat> They're they supposed actually, to be ready to go. Yeah. yeah. And we we weren't. We had maybe five rehearsals, mm. and I felt like we didn't get anywhere in them. I was because I got there into the rehearsals and I thought, I've got a lot of songs to learn here. I thought, yeah. wonder how we're going to get on. And the first rehearsal, which was about four or five hours, I think we got through about ten songs. Wow. So I was like. Mm. I was like, okay, well, and I actually, I went away and learned all the tunes we needed to learn. I learned all the keys, I learned all the harmonies, I learned the songs I was supposed to do, but Lindsay didn't. She clearly, you know. So yeah, it was... yeah. I mean, I, th I think, uh, like me and Tom, me and Tom actually were in a function band, and we we were we were prepping to go on the cruise ships. Yeah, this was like 2014, I think. 2014, yeah. We, about did, we did an audition in London, but we weren't successful. But we actually, we actually, we bought the. Um, What's it called? The Real Book, which is yeah. just a huge catalogue of popular songs. Uh, you know, the Real Rock Book. Yeah, the Real Rock Book. Tom's got it here. There you go. So we, we actually we actually Good. went we actually just worked through that. And yeah. the great thing is is a lot of popular songs have this very similar format. Uh, yeah. You know, same length of verses, choruses, and when you kind of get a feel for it and get an idea of uh, how songs are essentially and you can just kind of pick them up pretty quick and it helps to learn songs quicker uh, and yeah. uh, just because the songs are all kind of very similar so um, yeah so carry on what were you were you saying Tom yeah absolutely man it, it you know that would make sense you know having something like that and it just it, it reminded me of the prep that we had done mm. you know those years before so but one of the things that just did me in the most was to you know was that the other musicians I really got along with and they were a good laugh and I mean most of them wanted to them were a bit quiet and we didn't want to talk but you know um, but you know I kind of felt like 
I got the impression from some of them that because of Lindsay and how bad she was, that it reflected on all of us. And they didn't think we were that good at first. And that kind of made me feel a bit, I couldn't help but feel like, we're not sheer. Like, it, the rest of the band were actually really good. Yeah. Like, the guitarist, who was a partner, but he was a nice guy. He was a great guitarist. And then the keys were I think, I think that, that's problematic when you have, when you're in a band with a couple you know, because oh, yeah. it, it can really, it can really go tits up. Such a bad um, idea. Yeah, so uh, that that I I wouldn't recommend that to anyone starting a band or you know don't no. don't get in a relationship with. <laughs> it can oh, really yeah. it can really go to shit. So absolutely. Yeah. So so you were saying, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. I, sh- I should have fucking known that before, but so but it was only you know we managed to redeem ourselves a little bit because in the last like two or three nights. We found out that that they had told Lindsay they didn't want her to sing, so we were like, "Oh my god!" That is, so, oh, that's rough. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, and obviously our partner's the guitarist, so he has to carry on. So we were singing the songs, you know, which we were singing most of them anyway. She wasn't singing that many. Sometimes we were doing a forty-five minute set, and she was singing three songs. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, and and then we actually, you know, managed to get a little bit of, you know, kind of a um, little bit of redemption in that they kind of. You know, they came up and said, like, oh, you guys are actually really good. And we were like, mm. yeah, it's probably because Lindsay's not singing with us. But, um, yeah, cheers. And they were like, oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, so it was, you know, I think I would I would do it again for a short amount of time if I had the right people. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, uh, yeah, and I, I think I think I think you should. Yeah, definitely. We, we mm. talked about like, you know, you've had one experience. It was pretty bad. Uh, but you you would you would be open to to trying it again. Um with the right people it could it could be a really really amazing experience yeah and um you know it really could so yeah i mean it's pretty short but you you've also worked your main i'd say your main experience uh working abroad as a musician would be in the hotels in the kind Mm. of hotel resorts so you want to talk a bit about about that yeah so i ended up playing at the same place twice funny enough so i went to this resort in crete um run by kind of tui the old, the old um, Thompson Tui company, and um, which was so I did it in 2015 for a bit, and I ended up doing it in last year, 2019, when I came back from the cruise gig. And um, <clears throat> on the on the whole, it was you know I, I felt like I wanted to do it and I wanted to give it a go. It was a long contract; it was about six months, mm-hmm. um, so it was like May till November, mm-hmm. and bits of it I really enjoyed. You know, living in Crete was great. Um, so many that's, musicians. Uh, that's Greece for anyone that doesn't know where Crete is. Just for my international viewers. <laughs> Minotaur. Minotaur. Um, it's a beautiful just, island. It is, um, yeah, yes. really beautiful place. Crete. Lovely place. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the best things about you know the gig was, you know, being on a ship was hard, and I kind of felt if I get like a land-based gig, it's better because I can just go and explore and stuff. It was a bit easier. So that yeah, part yeah. of it was good, and the locals were fun and. You know, it was nice, you know, living next to the sea and all that kind of stuff. But the hardest thing about it really was kind of being being under the watchful eye of a very big company um, constantly. Mm. Mm. You know, you kind of feel like you've, it, it was difficult, um, especially as someone who's been self-employed most of my life, you know, pretty mm. much all of my working life. And, 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 you know, being told what to do by people that, that have no concept you know th- that's the biggest thing being told what to do as a musician 
by people that are definitely not musicians and have never been musicians and they don't yeah. seem to understand and all they care about is the concept of entertainment and i get it so they yeah. they get that more yeah. than we do but then they also they need to they need to think that we also get that that kind of thing like the idea of like what for just a one example we used to play which i thought was a bit i we used to play till 12 30 which i thought was quite late to be honest mm. i think 12 o'clock by about quarter to twelve, there was no one there. Right. So this is a you know this is a resort that has at capacity fifteen hundred people. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you know so most of the time, if I got the late slot, we were told that we were supposed to do upbeat and party tunes for the late mm. slot, which I was like, "There's no one there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not wasting my voice for no one." If it's busy, you know, so I, I didn't agree yeah, with them there. They had yeah. this music policy that I just, I felt like they just didn't get it. Yeah. And all they cared about was, I don't know. It was, yeah. So that side of it's very stressful and it, it was difficult, but I had a great time and I met some great people and it was nice to get away from it all from, you know, for a little while. But I'm, I'm, I was glad to, glad to be back. Yeah, end. I mean, would you, you know. would you recommend like doing cruise work or doing hotel work? Like, would you recommend it? I mean, I would. You would just to try it. Just I'd recommend. Yeah, yeah. I especially mean, the, the money is the money is fairly money's, good as well. Money's yeah, it's not too bad for what yeah. you're doing. You know, yeah. you know, I was playing six nights a week um, for the for the um, hotel gig, so I get yeah. a day off. Sometimes yeah. I wouldn't start until nine o'clock in the evening, so you've got most of your day. Um, you know, your food. You know, you get your food in the hotel, and your flights are paid for, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. I'd say if you if you like performing in general, if you're a musician who really enjoys just performing in general, I think you should do it. Mm. Um, but it, 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 you have to treat it very much as a job. Mm. And, it, and for that, for me, was I'd, I'd done that to some extent with function work, but not every night for six weeks. It was hard. Towards yeah. the end, I was just like, I do just not give a shit anymore. And it, it did get to the point where it almost ruined playing for me. I, I almost mm-hmm. got to a point where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy performing anymore in my life. It it, it was yeah. mainly because I just felt like I was going upstairs to this lobby and just playing to no one that was interested. And all they were interested in was shouting for shit songs. Yeah. That was it. I just felt like a bit of a bit of a performing monkey. And that I got quite resentful about that. Um, but yeah. it's yeah. part of the gig, you know. It's you've I got mean, to balance. It. I, I think I think you can kind of. Um, it's on paper. It sounds amazing, doesn't mm. it? Like, oh, going on yeah. a cruise ship, going, you know, seeing the world, traveling, getting paid. You know, everything's paid for. Your 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 accommodation and your food. And but these are the kind of day to day ins and outs of you're talking about things that you you don't know about. That you know, it isn't all positive. There is there's there's some really uh, crappy sides to to, the, to those experiences um but yeah it's uh, like you said it's it's worth a go it's worth a, a try and um i mean there's some people who have made a career out of it haven't there yeah i mean like career cruise mission cruise mu- musicians yeah and they they make a good living from it and and they don't mind all the traveling and and um they tend to be pretty Fucked up people, though, from what I've been told. Yeah, that's <laughs> like you know, a bit mental. Like, 
Yeah, because there's got to be something about someone who is being away from home for such a long time. And it's like, are they trying to get away from something? Mm. I did meet a few people on the cruise ships where they were perfectly nice people. But mm. then when I kind of got chatting to them, I got the impression that, that something had happened to them. And yeah. they were they were trying to kind of get away from it. And they were treating it as a bit of a kind of, you know, uh, you know extended sabbatical. Yeah, um, yeah, but then some like there was a few people that I met. They just used it as a bit of a bit of a cash injection. So they kind of do it for a bit, then pack, then leave it for a bit. So there was a there was a drummer called Scott that was really cool. He was in his fifties, and um, really cool kind of hit kind of surfer, kind of Californian guy. He was really cool. He was a great drummer. And he was a good laugh, and he really because I I was really miserable when I first got there just because of all the Lindsay stuff, and he really cheered me up. Um, yeah. And. Um, so he kind of uses it as a, you know, he was like, yeah, I don't particularly enjoy this, but I do it for a certain amount of time. I get some money and then I go home and I, and I build my own studio and I do what I want to do for another six months. And then I go and do it for another couple of months, you know. So there are some people use it a bit, bit of a dip in and out. But then some yeah. some become, they, they just prefer ship life to normal life. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I can do that. It's, it's it, yeah. something, something like, I don't know. I mean, I can see the attraction of it though. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I so basically, um, I, I think we can probably wrap it up soon, but mm. I, I've really enjoyed it, Tom, and... Yeah, man, it's been great, Chan. It's been really good, and I really pre- appreciate it. I would actually love to to do, to, to do another one with you, and we could actually yeah. talk about, uh, we could talk about you as a, as a writer, like, as a, you know, your own music. Uh, Absolutely, we man. haven't really we haven't really talked about that. So I'd love to do another episode with with you about that, and you know, as, as a songwriter, and because that's a completely different world to, in my opinion, to to being a session musician. It's it's a really totally is. different mindset, and mm. um, yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So we'll do that. But there's one last question I'd like yeah, to uh, kind of end with is, um, where do you see yourself in ten years' time? Like, I mean, I guess as a musician, where do you see yourself, you know, uh, since we've been talking about that? Um, what, I'd what, like would, to, what would you like to do? Like, what's your ambitions and, and, and stuff like that? And I think I want to, I want to kind of, what I've been trying to do this year, which is obviously there's, there's, there's it's been impacted a lot of everything going on. But mm. one of the things I wanted to try and do this year was, was focused a lot more on my own material. So like you mentioned, um, and, and one of the things I did do is kind of put together a kind of solo project band. So one of the things I do want to keep doing in the next few years is play my own songs in a band, do more recordings, and I want to properly release an album. I, that's kind of what I wanted to do this year, but it's not really happened. I've managed to do bits and bobs. So I think for me, I want to... I want to do more originals gigs. I want to record more material properly mm. and put on, you know, I've kind of, I've dithered yeah. with my songwriting over the years and I've been a bit like, oh, is it good enough? So I want to do more of that. Fun- um, function work. I can take it or leave it. You know, yeah. I, I, it's a nice bit of money, but then it shouldn't be a case where you're going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, ch- I'm going to, choose that because I'm going to get paid but then it's going to stop me from doing something that I want to do I don't want to do that anymore um, mm. but then you know so, so cur- yeah definitely c- currently you're just teaching um, teaching basically uh, yeah. I would say full time part time um, 
pretty much full time. I mean, I'm yeah. doing four days a week at the moment. I was doing some school stuff pre um, COVID, but um, so yeah, it's, it's been mostly teaching. And if COVID wasn't going on, I probably would have been. I probably would have done some function work this year as well. Probably in the summer the most. Um, but it's it's kind of been nice to have a bit of a break from it because I. I said that I wasn't going to do too much because I'd done so much in 2019, you know, being on a cruise ship, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, teaching is kind of my main. I like teaching because it's enjoyable, but it, it feels it feels more like a normal job. It's yeah. like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm here in my studio. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to teach vocals for four hours. Great, let's do it. Let's do arpeggios. Let's do warm-ups. Mm. And I quite like that side of it. Um, it, it feels like a it's the closest thing to having a, a normal feeling job or a stable job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared to gigs, and the hours are less less antisocial than gigs are. You know, mm. no no driving home at two in the morning. You know, so that's good. That's great, man. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been it's been so nice to just just to talk about like kind of reminisce and get yeah, a bit man. nostalgic, and and I've kind of learned a bit more about you as well. Like your your kind of your get I guess your kind of upbringing in Leicester, and I've learned a bit bit more about that and. I just hope that you know if some people see this, some like fledgling musicians, they might take something away from it and be like, "Me too." Inspired by it, or you know, something they'll take something from it. So, Absolutely, yeah. But um, we'll do another episode. Um, we'll talk about you in the next episode. We'll do another, another, um, another one, and and talk about you as a as a songwriter and like your experience being in a originals band and and, Great, and and like how how can yeah things like how how can you be successful as an uh, originals musician and and how what are the kind of steps that you i suppose need to take to get there but we all know that it's not straightforward and no there's no um set path set path there's no formula mm. to be to being a successful musician uh you know being a rock star or whatever um, but I am looking to do do some. I'm looking to do a conversation with some some uh, one guy in particular. I won't name him, but I'm hoping he'll do one with me. He he was in a quite a successful band in the UK uh, during the kind of early noughties to mid noughties. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping to get him on. Um, he'll talk about that and um, yeah. But yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, Great, thanks for having me, man. It's been an absolute yeah, um, pleasure. It's been really fun. I'll see you soon. Yeah. Yeah, see you soon, buddy. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. Cheers.